0: You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. But you already know that. That's why you're here. Um, today is January 10th, 2020. Nest Talk Episode 60 is being recorded at approximately 2 p.m. in the afternoon on this fantastic Friday, Saturday. Um, fr- Friday, January 10th. Not Friday, Saturday. Friday, January 10th, 2020. Tomorrow is Saturday. Tomorrow is the Ravens' divisional round game against the Tennessee Titans. The game a lot of people are waiting for, and not just in Baltimore, not just in Tennessee. In Nashville, but throughout the entire country are waiting for this game. It might be the highly anticipated matchup of the week, not just because it's 8:15 start, but because the Baltimore Ravens are facing the only unknown of the AFC playoffs that they could actually face in the Tennessee Titans. Of course, they've played the, the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs twice in the last two years. Um, they played them this year, lost. But that was before the Ravens transformed their entire defense, so... Um, not unknown there, though, because we've seen the, these two teams. We have not seen the Ravens and Titans this year. We've seen the Ravens beat the Houston Texans. We've seen the Ravens beat the other team in in, in the mix. Um, I'm sorry, not the other team. We saw them lose to Kansas City, but we, we saw them beat the other two teams that could have been in the mix, the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills this year. But the only team in the AFC playoffs the Ravens have not faced so far is the Tennessee Titans. And that, in my opinion, is why this matchup is so interesting. Because the Ravens just have not played these guys. They, Unlike everybody else, they, they have experience against them. They don't have experience against the Titans. Derrick Henry, of course, one of the prolific running backs of the day and age now. We haven't seen him and what he could do against Baltimore. We saw them last year, but it was a completely different team. And you had Marcus Mariota and Joe Flacco starting that game. Now it's Lamar Jackson and Ryan Tannehill. Completely different offenses, different defenses. So we'll see what this game looks like. We'll talk about this game, of course. Um, towards the end of the show, but we also have other news to talk about before we get into that. Um, But as always, I do like to do a little housekeeping before we get right into the meat of the episode. So if you are listening on iTunes or Spotify, maybe you're listening on YouTube, follow us on iTunes, uh, or subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, Make sure you see all of these podcasts, that you listen to these podcasts the day they come out. Subscribing on iTunes, YouTube, or following us on Spotify will in fact get you the latest episodes as they come out. Now, there's also other ways to listen to us. You can find us on Radio Public. You can find us on Player.fm, other various sites, CastBox. All you have to do is go to BaltimoreFeather.com slash podcast, or just go to BaltimoreFeather, click on the podcast page on the top bar, scroll down, you'll see a whole list of everywhere you can find the podcast. It's super efficient, super great to find it on there. And even if you just don't want to subscribe to anything, every Friday, the latest episode... By the evening, will be published on the podcast page. So make sure you check that out. Of course, you can find us on social media as well. Um, Our Twitter page is always popping at Be More Feather. You know that's that's really the main Twitter page at Be More Feather. You know, there's only one of me running these Twitter pages, so I have a lot of them. But you have Nest at Nest Talk as well. Um, You can you can follow us there. Not as much content, admittedly, as as at Be More Feather. But we are trying to do a little bit more with the, the Nest Talk page. You can follow me individually. At Chris Linfont on Twitter as well, or you can follow us on Facebook to search up the Baltimore Feather or the Nest Talk Podcast on Facebook. You can find us there. Make sure you go and check out our new shop on Baltimorefeather.com. That's right. We have a shop. I think I talked about it last week. We now have some really nice products for sale. I'm not gonna lie, you know. I'm not here to swindle anybody, but I've I I got these these mugs, okay? These nice Maryland flag with, with purple and black and orange and white, Orioles and Ravens colors in here. Free shipping on these mugs. Only 19 with the free shipping. If it was at, without free shipping, it would cost more. I'm actually making sure it costs the least amount of money for you guys. Um, it really helps the podcast out. It really helps the website out. And, of course, um, you get a really good product. You can also get a sticker there. I mean, you know, a sticker's not the main thing. I like the mug best, to be honest. Um, I have the samples ready. I've made sure that the producer of these mugs for me uh, made them in high quality. They are 100% high quality. I mean, I thought I was going to like, there's two options you can get for the mugs. Um, if you're looking at the website right now, you'll see one's $19.99. The 15-ounce the, the mug is $22.99. It's actually, I think, a better deal for the $22.99 one. You can get four more ounces in there. And the 15-ounce tw- the, 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 the mug, in my opinion, actually looks better than the 11-ounce. I thought I was going to like the 11-ounce better when it physically got in my hands. I was completely wrong. I love the 11-ounce mug more than the 15. But, look, if you want to buy it, go ahead and find us at baltimorefeather.com slash shop. Um, you can pay with PayPal, credit card, whatever. Of course, it helps us out, and you get a cool product. I mean, I really like the design of this mug. I think it's really neat. Every Maryland sports fan should be rocking this mug. And let us know if you want to go buy it. If you buy it, let us know. Tweet us at nestalk. Tweet us at Be More Feather. Show your support. Um, really helps out a lot. So that's about it for housekeeping this week. We have some more news than usual, because when there's a bye week, the Ravens tend to do less than an actual week leading up. Of course, this is a week leading up, so, you know, the bye week last week, we didn't have a whole lot of news, but this week we had a little bit more news. Somewhat surprising, though. Um, The first thing we need to talk about is the moves that came early this week. The Ravens signed offensive tackle Andre Smith, the former Cincinnati Bengals, sixth overall pick. I believe it was the 2009 draft, 2010, somewhere in there, the Baltimore Ravens signed him and placed guard Patrick Eninger on the injured reserve. So this was somewhat unexpected. The Ravens really didn't make it out like Eninger was was going to head to the injured reserve until he actually did. This happened on the the 8th. And there's actually something that happened the day before, but it's not as important as this, so we're going to talk about this first. Um, But this happened on the 8th. So only a couple days ago, um, yeah, Andre Smith joins the roster, 53-man roster. He's not going to start. I had some Bengals fans, I think, asking me me or just talking about it, basically saying, oh, maybe he'll start. No. I mean, if, if you think he's going to start, you haven't been watching any Ravens football. We've, we've got two of the best tackles in the league right now at their positions. Andre Smith is really just the backup at this point. But the Ravens felt they needed to add a backup after Eninger was placed on the IR because of a shoulder injury. Um, the exact condition, the exact shoulder injury, the exact extent of injury's shoulder injury is unknown. The Ravens did not make that public, but it was enough to, to to essentially get him on the IR. Now, I don't know if there are any real requirements for going on the IR other than being injured. I mean, you saw last year, Julio Scott was placed, and I know you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes when I say placed on the IR with an injury, you know, an injury in air quotes, you know, his injury, I don't remember what it was categorized as, but it wasn't anything, in my opinion, that was season ending. They just placed him on the IR to sit him for a year. And of course, he made the team this year, so I think that was the right move, but it just demonstrates that the Ravens, you know, don't always put guys on the IR who have to have their season ended or have to, you know, sit out a long period of time. Eninger can't come back because he's being placed in the IR in the playoffs. There's physically no possible way he can come back from this. Shoulder injury, not sure what it is, but the Ravens felt at least that maybe maybe he just wasn't gonna come back until after the Super Bowl. If that's the case then he has to go in the IR. Because there's no point in keeping a guy who who physically can't help you on the roster. Now, of course, placing him in the IR, um, if he's injured and they wanted to cut him, I I believe the NFL rules, based on the collective bargaining agreement, force a player to be placed on the IR before being cut. It has to do with injury settlements. The Ravens, I don't know if they want to cut him or not, if they want to part ways with him or not. But the point is, he's on the IR now. He's not going to help us in the Super Bowl run. And they needed somebody, but they didn't go with another guard. They went with Andre Smith. They want... A veteran backup. They want someone who's been in the playoffs before. Now, I wrote an article yesterday, okay? Or I published it yesterday. I started writing it earlier. About Ravens' playoff inexperience. Shout out to George Seidel on Twitter for giving me that idea. Um, and you know, we really saw with these numbers I've compiled here that the Ravens really are an inexperienced playoff team. But Andre Smith, he's never won a playoff game. He was with the Cincinnati Bengals for most of his career. Obviously, he's not going to win a playoff game. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. But Andre Smith, an 11-year veteran, has been to the playoffs five times. And he's played in five games. So take that for what you will. I mean, if Ronnie Stanley or Orlando Brown Jr. went down, would you rather have James Hurst filling at left tackle or 11-year veteran Andre Smith who's been in the playoffs five times before? I mean, no disrespect to James Hurst. But we've seen what James Hurst can do at left tackle. He's a valuable asset to any offensive line just because of his versatility. He can play any position on the offensive line. But can he dominate? I don't think so. Andre Smith I don't think would dominate, but he might be better than James Hurst. But at least gives the Ravens some options. Even if they say, you know what, James Hurst is our best available player to fill in for Ronnie Stanley, let's say. Let's say Ronnie Stanley, godforsakenly, gets, you know, injured and he has to leave the game, the Ravens have the option between Andre Smith and James Hurst. Right? So that's a plus. That's a big plus. Especially, you know, you want to have a veteran guy coming into this kind of situation. It's also good for him because there's a good chance he gets a Super Bowl ring for joining a team during the playoffs, which would be great for him. Um, Joins his fellow former Bengal, Demata Pecco, on the Baltimore Ravens. So that's about all I have to say about... That situation with Parker Eninger going to the IR with that shoulder injury. The guard being replaced by the tackle Andre Smith, former Cincinnati Bengal. I believe he spent time with, I think he was with the Bengals like three different times. But he's he was also with the, the, um, the, the Vikings. I was going to say the Detroit Lions, but I knew that was incorrect. The Minnesota Vikings and the Cardinals. So he went from the Bengals to the Vikings to the Bengals to the Cardinals to the Bengals. A lot of Bengals um, stints in there. So he will be the backup. And he's playing 98 games. He started nine, 98 games over the course of his career. So he definitely brings some experience to the Baltimore Ravens heading into the playoffs, which is always a good thing when you're looking to um, supplement your guys there. Now, the other major news story for the Baltimore Ravens isn't so major. It actually happened the day before, but it's the only other roster news we have. Um... Of course, we will talk about the injuries, the status of Mark Mark Ingram and, and um, Mark Andrews. But roster-wise here, Antoine Wesley was placed on the injury practice squad. I didn't even know that existed, to be honest with you. And Paul Perkins, the running back, was, was added to the practice squad. Now, um, I had someone ask me about this this morning. What does this actually mean is the real question, right? I mean, it's very, very difficult for me to always break down practice squad ...movements because they're so fluid. People go in and out all the time. Sometimes they don't mean much of anything. Sometimes it's just, we have to fill a roster spot. We like this guy. Let's see what he can do. Other times it's, well, we have to have someone practice... ...because this guy's injured. So, let's go out and get this guy to, to fill in for the guy on our roster... ...and we have to cut this guy to do it on the practice squad. If that makes sense. Antoine Wesley, they didn't flat out cut him. They put him on the injury practice squad... ...or injured practice squad, whatever it's called. So, obviously... He was not able to practice, the wide receiver out of Texas Tech, not able to practice, not able to participate. The Ravens didn't flat out cut him. Now, I don't know if this is a procedure to cut him, because I would imagine, since players being cut have to go to, from injury have to go to the IR first, typically, this could be a move to get him off the roster, too. If he's injured, he'd have to go to the injury practice squad and then released, maybe. Or it's just he's injured, the Ravens can't use him right now, they need someone else in there. I want to stash him for next year on the injury practice squad, maybe sign him to a new deal once the season ends, a future contract whatever it may be and add Paul Perkins, the former New York Giants running back to the practice squad today well, three days ago now but why Perkins right? why Paul Perkins, why not go after another wide receiver when Antoine Wesley is injured to keep that receiver continuity going, right, that's a very valid question, in my opinion in my opinion, Paul Perkins was brought to the practice squad not to simulate Derrick Henry's. I've seen some people say because simulating Derrick Henry with Paul Perkins, that's not how it works, okay? Derrick Henry's 6'3 is a beast. You're not going to simulate him with Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins was brought to the practice squad, in my opinion, because they want to take a load off of Mark Ingram. Now, does that mean that they placed, they want to get rid of Wesley? to get Perkins on the roster or is is it because Wesley was injured they brought Perkins in to then use him in place of Ingram. See, we don't know that. We don't know if if Wesley's injury wasn't even that bad. Maybe it was like a thumb injury, right? We we really don't know. I don't I mean I'm checking right now. It does not appear that the Ravens have actually disclose what Wesley's injury was and I know a lot of people were really excited to see what Wesley could bring this team and they still are and I think they should be I think Wesley had some interesting things to show this offseason this past offseason not this upcoming offseason but obviously if he's injured he's not going to be able to produce for us or the Ravens just felt they needed Paul Perkins to come in and take a load off Mark Ingram if you don't remember Mark Ingram Suffered a calf injury against the the I was gonna say the Cincinnati Browns, combining the two Paul Brown franchises there, the, the Cleveland Browns, right. He got injured against the Cleveland Browns. It was a calf injury. He says he's gonna be ready for Saturday. Now, officially, he's questionable. We'll get into that in a second. Here, it's only two real injuries we have to talk about. He's officially questionable. He says he's gonna play. He returned to practice on Thursday yesterday, which is big news, but he was limited. So, in my estimation, the Ravens obviously, even if he's practicing, don't want to strain him. There's no real reason to put a huge load on Mark Ingram, especially right before the crucial playoff game if he's injured. There's just not, no reason to do that. Paul Perkins can add to that, uh, that running back group, can be the guy to take some more reps in practice. He's not going to be great, and that's why he's on the practice squad. He's not you know, a roster guy but he can do some things for the time being. And whether or not that leads to a future contract down the road, you know, that's something the Ravens will obviously keep the door open to. The Ravens are always looking to get better. If Paul Perkins impresses them on this practice squad stint, he could end himself up with a future contract this offseason for next offseason. And maybe find his way into a roster, whether or not it's the Baltimore Ravens or another roster. You know, he was picked fifth round from UCLA by the the, the, the New York Giants. He he had an impressive rookie season. I'm not gonna lie. He had I think it was 400 yards, 4. Some yards per carry. 2017 he completely fell off. 2018 I don't even think he played much. And here we are in 2019. I think he had like a couple of games with the or four games I think it was with the Detroit. I was gonna say the Detroit Steelers. Why am I mixing teams up this this uh, this afternoon? With the Detroit Lions, he played a few games. I think it was four. I think he had 12 carries in all of those. So about three three carries per game. So not great before he was waived. You know, he is staring down the barrel of his career here, right? In all honesty, if Paul Perkins does not find a home or find a role on another team, he could be looking at the end of his career. And it's unfortunate, but careers don't last that long in the NFL unless you're a very good player where you provide a lot of value at somewhere. And Paul Perkins has to find that value somewhere, and this is another opportunity for him to do it. Whether or not he ends up on Baltimore's offseason roster, whether or not he ends up on another team's roster, This is a way to keep relevant for him. So it works all around, you know, being able to have somebody substitute for Mark Ingram while, you know, um, him also getting another shot at at, at making a team in the future. Of course, we have Gus Edwards on the roster and Justice Hill as well. You know, I've seen someone, some people talking about it's like, oh, oh, the big, big three or or the trust. I saw someone say calls like the trust this league, trust this league. You have big trust Mark Ingram. You have Gus and you've got Juss on the same roster. So that's what we've got right now. If Mark Ingram isn't going to be playing a lot on Saturday, and I honestly, even if he's healthy, even if he's ready to go, I would imagine the Ravens give Gus Edwards a lot of reps just to keep Mark Ingram fresh and, and, and relatively, you know, safe from injury. And Gus Edwards, honestly, we all know Gus Edwards is a great running back in the zone, right? 700 yards this year. We saw what he did last year. No no one needs to be, you know... um apprehensive about what Gus Edwards would do for this team he would be a, a a fine guy to carry the rock on Saturday if that's the case so I think we're in good hands no matter what the Ravens do um, but you know this is the injury news I want to talk about Mark Ingram is the big injury story what's going to happen he did not practice on Tuesday he did not practice on Wednesday he was limited on Thursday no practice today to my knowledge what is Mark Ingram going to do is he going to play? Is he not going to play? He's officially questionable. He said he was going to play a few weeks ago. He said it. But players say that thing all the time. Players say it all the time. Now, there's only one other injury here I need to talk about, and that's the other mark. It's Mark Andrews is injured. Limited, limited, limited. Wednesday, I'm sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Limited, limited, limited with an ankle injury. Now, if Mark, if both Marks don't play, I won't say the Ravens, are going to be losing, because I don't think they lose even with these guys out, to, to be quite honest with you. I, I think it might might be tougher for them, but I think they're all around a great team, while the Titans are simply a good team. But if Mark Andrews and Mark Mark Ingram don't play, the offense will take a little bit of a hit. Now, Gus Ellers can fill in for Mark Ingram and do a, a very good job. Who's going to fill in for Mark Andrews? Mark Andrews is our best receiver. I know he's a tight end, but he's our best receiver. I know Marquise Brown has done some good things, but he's been on and off injured. You know, Miles Boykin is still young. Seth Roberts is okay. Actually, Seth Roberts is pretty good, I have to say. Willie Sneed's good. But none of these guys compare to Mark Andrews. If he's absent. The Ravens have only, other, only two other tight ends on the roster. But they're both very good tight ends. But Nick Boyle isn't exactly... Your downfield threat tight end. Now, I know he had a great game against Cincinnati. I talked about that extensively when that happened. He had a fantastic game against Cincinnati. He's got a cu- I think he got one touchdown this year, two. I was there for at least one, and I called it. I don't know if you remember, but on Twitter I called it. Never letting that one go. So Mark Andrews, if he doesn't play, Boyle and Hayden Hurst have to step in. Now, I know Hayden Hurst is good. He's He's pretty darn good. You know, a lot of people want to label him a bust. Last year, I was concerned about him becoming a bust. This year, not so much. Much he fits into this Ravens offense well, regardless of where he was picked. I think he was he was a good decision. But he can't replace Mark Andrews. He's the Mark Andrews is the only player on this injury injury list that I'm concerned about. Now there are other guys listed here: Earl Thomas, Jimmy Smith, and Brandon Williams. But they were all absent with non-injury related issues you know, maybe a vet day, you know, Earl Thomas basically all season had a vet day at least once, and they were all full participants on days they were not absent from, so that's not a big deal, but the Mark Andrews injury is concerning, Mark Ingram is concerning, of course, Andrews, I think, carries more weight than do, than does, um, I'm sorry, Mark Ingram, I'm just getting a little uh, ahead of myself here, um, I was thinking about just talking about the Tennessee Titans injuries later, but I may as well mention them now since we're talking about all injuries. Um, Jalen Brown and Adam Humphreys, the linebacker and wide receiver respectively, are both ruled out for the Baltimore game. Jalen Brown has a shoulder injury. Adam Humphreys has an ankle injury. Neither will be playing this Saturday. Take that for what you will. To be honest with you, I am not the biggest expert on the Tennessee Titans, to be completely honest with you. I understand their strength is in the ground game. I understand Ryan Tannehill has done a pretty good job, and A.J. Brown has done a good job this year as well. Deion Lewis can do some things. But defensively, I mean, I know Jalen Brown's Jaylen Brown's okay. Jayon Brown is okay. Adam Humphreys, yeah, I don't know much about him as a receiver. I know Adoree Jackson's pretty good. Now Adoree Jackson's on this list. He should, be, he should be there on Saturday. He's fully participating in Thursday's practice. Nate Davis, the offensive lineman, was sick this week, um, but he was a full participant on Thursday, should be there. Cody Hollister, the wide receiver, has an ankle injury. He was limited on Tuesday, full participant on Wednesday, and must have like, re-hampered it, injured it on Thursday because he is limited again here. He's listed officially as questionable. Dion Lewis, the running back, shoulder injury, but he was a full participant on Thursday. He is, n- he is scheduled to play Khalif Raymond coming off a concussion. Full participant on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Should play Kamala Correa. The former Raven was sick on Wednesday, but returned to practice on Thursday. So those are the Tennessee Titans injuries. Two outs. We have have Adam Humphreys and Jayon Brown, Jayon Brown. Questionable Cody Hollister. So they're relatively healthy. Except for Brown and Humphreys and Hollister there. But they look to be on track coming into the Ravens uh, game this Saturday. This divisional round matchup that renews an old rivalry. You know, a lot of you probably remember the days the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens were bitter rivals. Not that long ago, when you really think about it. Now, that's the injury news. I want to touch, you know, this week's a little weird because it's a divisional round. We're getting less and less news actually coming in. But I do want to touch on some huge news coming in the future. My big board, hopefully will be released this upcoming week. I really hope it's done. I have a few things to do. I realized I forgot entirely about wide receivers, which is a big oops, but every every position basically has people on there, um, but there's no wide receivers, so that could be a big problem. Uh, and of course, I want to verify that all the guys on there are actually going to the, the draft. We have a lot of declared this past week. I got to get through that. This um, Hopefully, I'll finish it up maybe tomorrow or or late Sunday, early Monday so it can be published this week. And why am I getting it out so early? I mean, we're not even at the Pro Bowl yet. We're not even at the Conference Championship yet. And here we have the East-West Shrine game being played s- next Saturday, Saturday, January 18th. The NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, same day, Saturday, January 18th. The Senior Bowl, Saturday, January 25th. And if you don't know what these games are, these games are some of the biggest games of the draft um, season, some of the most important dates, other than the combine, because we get to see some players in pads, game situations. A lot of these teams, I'm sorry, a lot of these games, I know the Senior Bowl does it. um, They broadcast their practice. They invite media. They invite scouts to the practices all week. Players get to be showcased around. And look, a lot of the times, guys in the Senior Bowl, you know, aren't going to be the biggest draft picks. I know occasionally you get your Baker Mayfields this year. I believe um, um, the guy from from Oregon, the um, Herbert, the quarterback Herbert from Oregon, is scheduled, I believe, to be in the Senior Bowl. But East-West Shrine Game, NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, usually aren't so great prospects coming in. But but you know, every prospect, in my opinion deserves a look. And sometimes you're going to find guys really late in the draft or in the mid-rounds that are going to put up numbers for you. Look at Matthew Judon. I think he was a fifth-round pick. Pat Ricardo, I think, was undrafted. Okay? You don't need to find all your talent at the top. There is a lot of guys out there that can bring talent at every round of the draft. Debo Samuel. He, Debo Samuel was picked, what, in the third round this past year by the San Francisco 49ers? I scouted him. I said to myself, I think I, I think I wrote it and I said it too. I was like, I'm going to value this guy as like a second round pick because most people, are, you know, most teams won't be picking him until late second round, early third. But why is this dude not a first round pick? He has all the talent. That's essentially what I thought to myself. And here he is tearing up the NFL with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Not tearing up the NFL, but he's doing very well um, with the 49ers. So I'm going to be watching each of these games. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to watch the East West Shrine and the NFL PA in the same day. <laughs> both next Saturday. We're going to try to make it work. I'll take notes. I'll update my, my big board, but I want to have a core big board ready to go with additions coming. And then hopefully throughout draft season, I'm not putting too many guys. I mean, i I've, I've trying to figure out this whole draft process for the past few years. I'm not going to put so many guys on the big board. Only enough that I can actually handle going down the list, evaluating, giving grades to, and updating the big board as we go along. I want to do the same thing as I did last year. I want to make YouTube videos on these guys, breaking down the film. I think it's going to be great. So if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, actually make sure you do. We'll publish probably these videos to the Baltimore Feather too as well. So if you're not subscribed to the email news list, you might want to do that as well. Um, Not to plug it mid-episode here. But that's the schedule for the upcoming draft news. The Combine, you know, I don't even know when the Combine is. Let me check real quick um, because that's, you know, that's kind of huge. If you're not initiated with the Combine, you should be. That's when all the draft prospects get together. Okay, it's actually February 24th to March 1st. And that's actually pretty cool there. So that's coming up. When you think about it, we are getting really close to draft season. I mean, it's really next week it starts with, with the, the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl in the East-West Shrine game. Guys are already declaring. And we're not even done with the playoffs yet. So everything's getting more compressed as time goes on here, it seems like. But we have to keep rolling with it. We don't have the luxury... Of focusing all our attention on one or the other here, playoffs or draft. We gotta do both, since they're both happening at the same time here. So that's the the draft news coming up. Now it is the divisional round, and I said it's a little bit of a weird week because we don't have a whole lot of news, whole lot of Raven stuff to talk about. You know, I could bore you to depth with, oh Lamore has to win MVP. Like obviously everybody knows that I talked about that enough, right? Coach of the Year for Harbaugh I could talk about, but I wrote an article on that. I don't want to just repeat my articles at this point. Let's go through the divisional round of the playoffs, this week, this weekend, what we're going to see, who's going to win. Now, I made some predictions last week. I don't know if you remember. I picked the Tennessee Titans over the the New England Patriots. I won that prediction. Um, I picked the Buffalo Bills over the Houston Texans. I lost that prediction. I picked the Seattle Seahawks to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, along with probably like 90% of America, and won that pick. I also picked the Saints to beat the Vikings. That did not happen. Now, that Saints-Vikings game, a little bit of officiating uh, weirdness at the end, but it wasn't honestly. Saints fans can complain about that, but who should be complaining are those darn Buffalo Bill fans. They, they are the ones that got messed up because of officiating errors. Did anybody else see that, what was it, illegal, it wasn't a legal block in the back, it was like a blindside block On some rusher. And it was not even close to a blindside block. A lot of blown calls in that Buffalo game against Buffalo. Now, I don't know if if those calls weren't made. The Buffalo Bills would have won. I'm not saying that. But all I'm saying is that was not a greatly officiated game. It was definitely worse than what happened in um, New Orleans. Where a single call at the end. A no call. Was it a push-off? Was it not a push-off? Kyle Rudolph pushing off on... I think it was Kyle Rudolph pushing off on some uh, Saints defender. Look, I personally think he pushed. I think it was a push-off. But, I mean, was it enough to call? Sometimes sometimes it's, you just don't know. It's difficult. Heat of he the moment, the Saints... The, 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 the point is, heat of the moment, the refs didn't actually draw the flag and throw it. Saints lost but definitely not as bad as Buffalo did with their officiating situation. So I want to go down this list here of the other three divisional round games that we're going to be seeing this weekend and take an honest look at them and say basically what I think is going to happen, maybe try to get my you know predictions up from 0. .500 to 1.0. I'm going to try to predict all these games correctly. I mean, I tried that last week. It didn't work out so well. But we have some really, really, really exciting games. And the first one is between the Vikings and the 49ers. So both number one seeds will play tomorrow on Saturday. I think they did that because, you know, most people don't work on Sunday. So if they had it on Sunday, a lot of people would probably not watch all the games because of work the next day. This way they get both the number one seeds in. The Vikings and the 49ers will be playing on the on NBC at 435 Um at San Francisco, obviously, Levi Stadium. Vikings coming in off of a really, really, really exhilarating win over the New Orleans Saints. You know, most of America, including myself, thought the Vikings really didn't have a whole, lot of, a whole big chance to beat the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints were my Super Bowl pick for the NFC. I got Baltimore as my AFC pick. No bias there, honestly. Just who's stopping Baltimore. But New Orleans was my NFC pick. It didn't work. Kirk Cousins, you know, we like that, Kirk Cousins. We like that. We like that you did that. We were looking for a big win from Kirk Cousins for years. He never gave it to us. That's our first one. Now can he pull it off two weeks in a row? Going to San Francisco with his Vikings and taking on Jimmy Garoppolo. No. No, Kirk Cousins, it's not happening again. I'm sorry. Look, I love I honestly, I really like what the Vikings are doing. Aside from from getting Kirk Cousins, because I still think, I still think, I will hold this position to the day I die. I think the Vikings, when they had their quarterback decision, should have cut Case Keenum, should have cut Sam Bradford, and re-signed Teddy Bridgewater. Because that would not have cost them very much money. And we see what Teddy Bridgewater has done with the Saints. When he had to come in and relieve Drew Brees, he went off the chain. With the weapons he would have had in Minnesota, he would have been off the chain for like $15 million a year, not $88 million fully guaranteed over four years. Like Kirk Cousins. That's the only problem. I mean, Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. You know, he gets a lot of slack. I've made fun of him in the past. He's really not a bad quarterback. But he's not worth the $88 million. It's just a fact, especially when they had Teddy Bridgewater, the guy they spent a first-round pick on getting in the first place, who, in my opinion and I, I don't know how many times I've said this publicly, I don't think very many, because I wasn't actually writing or podcasting or anything at the time of this draft, the 2014 draft. In my opinion, Teddy Bridgewater was the best quarterback available in his draft class. Now, I think, wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo in that draft class too? So, you know, I still think probably Teddy's better than Jimmy. But they had, in my opinion, who was the best quarterback in the draft class picked, they got him at 32 They didn't pay him much money. He did well his first couple years. Got injured. Instead of sticking with that guy, they went out and just tossed him away and got Kirk Cousins. I will never understand that move. Never. I know Kirk Cousins, you know, being in the playoffs, getting that win, that's big for him. The Vikings are on a decent path. But I think they could have been on a better path with Teddy Bridgewater. Who, in my opinion, should become the Saints' starting quarterback next year. I think they should essentially just... I love Drew Brees but it's time to go. You're a great quarterback, but you're like 41, 42. Let Teddy Bridgewater take over before it's too late. Cuz you're not going to get many guys like Teddy Bridgewater just there taking over the team. Right? How many times aside from from moving on from Flacco to Lamar, right? How many Flacco to Lamars do we have? And I know Flacco's last couple of years weren't great and you know the injuries and everything started to pile up. But one franchise quarterback to another, how many teams have that opportunity? Most teams, after they lose a franchise quarterback, go into limbo for a few years before they find another quarterback. It almost always happens. The Saints can avoid that with Teddy Bridgewater. Pull the trigger. I think he's a, I think he's a free agent. Pull the trigger. But, you know, I'm getting a little off-topic here. We're talking about San Francisco versus the Vikings. What are the keys to this game? It's got to be an offensive shootout, in my opinion. Now, I know San Francisco has a really good defense, but Kirk Cousins showed last week and go up against a pretty decent defense. Last minute, really, and win a game. He's got weapons in Kyle Rudolph, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, the running back. This is a premier offense, on paper at least. San Francisco, though, with Jimmy G, um, Raheem, whatever his name is. I think it's like, I don't even remember. I'm so sorry. I'm out of it today with this. But um, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Moster. I'm sorry. I thought it was, was Moorhead for some reason. Uh, they got George Kittle over there, Debo Samuel. Um who's the other one they traded for? Emmanuel Sanders. This I think is gonna end up in an offensive shootout between these two teams at Levi Stadium. But in the end, I think San Francisco will come up with the edge in the fourth quarter. Jimmy G finding one of his receivers, probably Kittle for a last uh two minute touchdown steal to seal the win. It's gonna be close. But it's not, you know, it's not gonna end in a Minnesota Vikings victory. I'll take the San Francisco 49ers. 38 to 34. So the uh, next game, obviously, is the Baltimore Ravens. We're not going to talk about that just yet. I want to save talking to that until the end of the episode. They're actually favored, though, by 10 points, which is pretty big. The next game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans battling out at Arrowhead. And look, honestly, I did not expect Houston to be in this position at all. I... have I wholeheartedly expected Houston, the Texans, Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien to flunk against the Buffalo Bills. I thought it was coming. The Texans every year are playoff disappointments. It's just a fact. It's a fact. Every year they are playoff disappointments. They made it past the wildcard round really because the Buffalo Bills choked. They put on a good second half. The Texans did. And a little officiating help got them over the hump. But are they going to be able to survive the 12-4 and 4 Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead? No, they're not. I picked weeks ago the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens to meet each other in the AFC Championship game. It's happening. No matter what Houston does, they're not going to be able to get past Kansas City here. Pat Mahomes, believe it or not, really, in my opinion, is the most experienced playoff quarterback in the AFC right now. I mean, I know Deshaun Watson, I think, has more playoff appearances than Pat Mahomes with two. Two prior to this year. But Mahomes has won a playoff game before this year. Watson hadn't, and Mahomes has gone to the AFC Championship. He came in within inches of winning it. If not for the offsides and their guy, right, their defender, they probably would have gone to the Super Bowl. So Kansas City looking to avenge themselves this year. I think they're not going to curb-stomp the Texans, but it's not going to be as pretty as some people might think. I'm going to take the Chiefs 28-17 to 17 over the Houston Texans. Houston's going to have a little bit of a problem going into this game. I know Deshaun Watson can do some magic. Pat Mahomes can as well, and I think overall... The Kansas City Chiefs are just more proven. They're a better team. Houston struggles always in the playoffs. They're going into one of the toughest environments in the league to play. You know, coming off of a sloppy win in Buffalo, I just don't see them winning in Arrowhead. I just don't see it. I see Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs advancing to the AFC, um, AFC Championship game. Now, the last game of the week is a six forty kickoff on Fox. Seattle Seahawks at Green Bay Packers. This one's interesting because there have been some interesting matchups between these Seahawks and and Green Bay Packers over the course of um really the last decade. Maybe the me- most memorable being um I think it was a divisional round game in Seattle that Seattle was supposed to win and then Green Bay or no, Green Bay was supposed to win it or something. They were no, Se- I'm so sorry. Seattle was supposed to win the game. They were the higher seed. Green Bay had the shot at winning the game. Seattle kicked a onside kick, hit someone in the face. I don't even remember who it was, but it was a Green Bay defender in the face. Seattle gets it back, scores a touchdown, and wins the game. That happened. I'm pretty sure the two teams involved in, you know, the play of the replacement ref era, the throw that was a pick and a touchdown at the same time, was these two teams. So they have a little bit of a history together. With Marshawn Lynch back though, I mean it adds that whole fuel. You know, it fuels the flames between these two teams because you get one of your you know, most important pieces of of your championship year back. And you're almost dynasty. They almost won two in a row. So Seattle though, coming in, they're the away team. They are the wild card team. They had to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Not such a hard beat in Philly, to get to this game. Not a whole lot of points scored, but now they go to Green Bay. I think it's going to snow, someone said. There's a really big possibility of snow. 24 degrees kickoff on Sunday at 640. It's going to be cold. There might be snow, but these are two teams that deal with precipitation a lot up there. Obviously, Seattle, being in Seattle, deals with a lot of rain. They're no stranger to this. I think it's their first game in Green Bay, though, in a playoff scenario. So, Enough of the background. Who's going to win this game? Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at home advancing to the NFC Championship? Or will the Seattle Seahawks find themselves in a rematch with the 49ers in the NFC Championship? I got Seattle. I'm sorry. I got Seattle. Aaron Rodgers might be one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen in history. But there's something about the Seahawks. There is something about the Seahawks. On the road. they just go in and they win. 7-1 and in away games. Now, I know the Green Bay Packers are 13-3 in their own right. They're a very good team. But I gotta pick the Seahawks. I love what Russell Wilson's doing. I think the Seahawks, you know, they, they should have won their division. They really should have. They had it on the one-yard line, and if not for a a delay-of-game stupid penalty, they would be leading the division. They would have not I don't think they would have been the first seed, but they would have been a two seed or whatever, and they would have, um, they would have got. I think they would have gotten a first round bye, but they at least would have had a home game. This is a very good football team, and so are the Packers, though. But Russell Wilson playing at an MVP caliber, you know, if not for Lamar Jackson, he'd be the MVP. Marshawn Lynch getting back into the groove here. They've got some speedsters. Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf is a beast. You know, I, I was a little skeptical about him coming out of the draft. Thought he might get injured. Hasn't gotten injured. He is a freak of nature, though. I'm surprised he even lasted halfway through the second round. That was surprising. I thought the Ravens might trade up at that point to get him. They didn't. Maybe they should have. But I like Miles Boykin. So that, I mean, we're, we are where we are. There's no reason to complain. You know, coming off... I mean, they, they, they had some bad losses in the, in the past few weeks... They're 3 and they're 2 and 3 since playing the Rams. They lost to the Rams, they beat Carolina, but they lost to the Cardinals. They lost to San Francisco. You know, they had some some bad losses in their the Seattle Seahawks, but the win in Philadelphia restores their confidence with Skittle's back. I think it brings some swagger back to the team. You know, the Packers have coasted really a little too hard. They they beat the Giants, okay. They beat the Washington Redskins, okay. The, the Chicago Bears, okay. Minnesota's probably their best win in the past 5 games. Detroit, though, I mean, like four out of five of those teams n- below 500, or at least at the time, I think Chicago finished at 500 by beating the Minnesota Vikings. But you know, aside from Minnesota, none of these teams the Packers have beat recently have been that good. And when you look at the Packers' losses here, losing to Philadelphia 34-27, losing to Los Angeles 26-11, losing to San Francisco got demolished by by the San Francisco. Sanf- I can't talk today. San Francisco 49ers, 37-8. 37-8. That was their last loss. Too many teams they've played are not very good. Here are all their wins this year. And you tell me how good this team you really think is. Chicago, 10-3 win. Minnesota, 21-16 win. That's a, I, that is a quality win. Denver, 27-16. okay. Lost to Philadelphia, 34-27. Beat Dallas, whoa, 34-24. What a great win that is, he says sarcastically. Detroit, 23-22 win, almost lost to them. Oakland, 42-24. Beat them, okay, they're decent. Kansas City, quality win, 31-24. So they got two quality wins so far. Lost to the Chargers, 26-11. Beat Carolina, 24-16. Lost to San Francisco, 37-8 got demolished. I remember that game. That was insane. December 1st, they take on the New York Giants. I remember that game. Um, 31-13 win. Washington, 2015 win. Chicago, 21-13. Minnesota, 23-10. Detroit, 23-20. Not many quality wins, to be honest with you. Not a whole lot of quality wins in there. So I think they're vulnerable. I think they've coasted a little bit in the past few weeks. I think Seattle has had to fight more in the past few weeks. I know they haven't won all their games. Defensively, these I mean, Seattle's okay. I don't really think the Packers have a very great defense either. Both doing okay. I have to give it, though, to Seattle. There's just something about them on the road in playoff time that I can never bet against. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, he's got one ring. Now, I don't mean that to, to, to demote his legacy at all, but for being one of the best quarterbacks, not having a whole lot of rings... He's only got one. He's he's really only he's been to one Super Bowl too. Russell Wilson's been to two, and he's been in the league sh- a short amount of time. So we'll see how it goes. But but my official picks again: Chiefs over Texans, 49ers over Vikings, and Seattle on the road is my only road pick this week over the Green Bay Packers. So if this all stacks up correctly, in my estimation, we'll see a 49ers and Seattle Seahawks rematch at Levi Stadium in San Francisco for the NFC title game, probably one of the more exciting matchups of the entire 2019-2020 season. And then, of course, we'll see a Chiefs and Ravens AFC Championship. Now, I'm picking the Ravens. I think they're the better team. I think they have a much better defense. They have a two-dimensional offense. The 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 Tennessee Titans have a very good run attack. Their passing attack is okay with Tyna T- T- Hill. But, I mean, really, the edge is always Lamar Jackson. It always is. They have to be able to shut down Lamar Jackson first and foremost. They're not going to be able to do that. They can maybe take advantage of a Mark Ingram absence or him being banged up. I don't. Th- I mean, they're going to try, but Gus Edwards being in there, Justice Hill being in there, it's not going to be easy um, for the Tennessee Titans. Not at all. Other keys to the game. You know, the Ravens, their biggest issue is going to be Derrick Henry, what he does on the ground, hitting the edge. A lot of people don't realize when Henry hits the edge, he's fast. And a 6'3", 247 pound, you know, destroyer of a running back coming at you on that edge. If he runs into you, there's a good chance you're not standing up right after that. A lot of running backs wouldn't, you know, be able to do what Henry does, leading the league 1,500 yards this season. It's insane. It's really insane what he's done. But we'll see. Um, I don't think the Ravens are going to be able to bottle Henry up at all. I think he's going to have a nice day but he's not going to carry the Titans to a victory. The the, the, big, the big disparity between the Titans and the Ravens is that Ryan Tannehill, for everything he's done this year, he's been a great player, but he's not a fantastic quarterback. He's not. We saw it against um, the New England Patriots. Now, he didn't have to throw the ball so much, but 53% completion and a four-point-something average per pass is not very good, no matter how many times he passes it. Those averages don't lie. Okay, he's not averaging seven yards a pass like he should be. He wasn't averaging 60-some yard completion. I mean, this isn't the era of the 1960s and 70s when quarterbacks just threw deep every single time. No, we have short passing games now. He's not able to complete on that. Why? Because he went against a very, very good new England Patriots defense. And the Ravens have a very, very good defense too. They didn't earlier this season. And I've seen people, I mean, on the media talking about The Ravens' defense not being good enough. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs exposed the Ravens' defense. Yeah, in week three, before the Ravens' defense, got like five or six new starters to it. Jimmy Smith wasn't there. Marcus Peters wasn't there. We didn't have Jihad Ward. We didn't have Josh Bynes. We didn't have lj Fort. We didn't have all these guys. There was a lot of guys not on that team. So this defense is completely revamped. Since we've revamped the defense, we haven't lost a game. The Titans are the only team I was somewhat concerned... Well, I was probably more concerned about the Bills, to be honest. I didn't want to face the Bills. They were they they are a tough team. I'm kind of glad they lost, even though they kind of got screwed out of it. I'm kind of glad they lost. But the Tennessee Titans, of course, not really favorable playing them because they're unknown. We really don't know what they bring to the table. We haven't seen them play against the Ravens this year. They have Marcus Mariota. Now, he's not starting, but he does provide an impactful role for the Tennessee Titans this week. And that's attempting to simulate Lamar Jackson. And, you know, people were, like, kind of laughing at me on Twitter for saying, like, oh, he can't simulate Lamar Jackson. And I said, you know, I didn't say he could simulate Lamar Jackson. I said he is the best player in the league to remotely simulate Lamar Jackson, to be the closest to Lamar Jackson you're going to get as a quarterback. I mean, I don't know if you remember Marcus Mariota's Heisman season, but it was pretty darn good. A lot of rushing, a lot of passing. I honestly blame the Tennessee Titans for his decline more than himself because they they told him no rushing. Like, why do you draft a mobile quarterback and then tell him not to rush? Like, I see what happened to RG3. I get it. Okay, I understand guys get injured when they run a lot if they take hits. Why don't you just tell them to do what Lamar has done? Run to the sidelines. Like, all the time. How many hits does Lamar actually take per game? Be real with me. Because a lot of people, including myself, were concerned about the sustainability of Lamar Jackson's game. But this year, it feels like every time he runs, he either goes in for a touchdown or he goes to the sideline. There's like maybe one or two hits a game on him. That's it. He actually might be safer than the average pocket passer who sits there and gets hit all the time. because He sits there. Him avoiding tackles and stuff actually might be safer. Now, I know he's, he's putting more pressure on his knees and, and everything like that. But he's not taking the hits we all thought he was. So Tennessee has Marcus Mariota to try and simulate him as best they can. He's really the only quarterback in the league, in my opinion, that can get close to it. Maybe RG3 could as well, but he's on the Ravens, so he's not trying to simulate Lamar Jackson. He's trying to be RG3. There's really no part there. You know, I've been thinking about this for a while, though. In my estimation, I believe in the future, every team in the league will have at least one quarterback on the roster on the practice squad who's very fast or mobile or something like that, to practice against. I believe that because Lamar Jackson, he's not the first of this kind. I mean, really, RG3 is the first modern quarterback to be a runner. He's not, you know, you had Archie Manning and Fran Tarkenton in days past. I don't think they played at the same time. But, you know, similar kind of rushing styles, run around, dance the pocket kind of thing. But in the modern era, you know, the obsession with pocket passers, and I get why you wanted them, because you get more accuracy, you know, the, the short passing game, long passing game, yada, yada, yada. But RG3, you know, then, then Russell Wilson, really. Now Lamar Jackson solidifies it back. And you might be thinking, well, what about Michael Vick? Like, Michael Vick was really like a one-off on this. Maybe he was really the first. But RG3 kind of cemented that as like a, a, a really, an idea that a lot of teams could get behind. Lamar Jackson seems to be the fulfillment of that, um, not that streak, that trend. He's the fulfillment of that trend. So, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. But Marcus Mariota on the Tennessee Titans will be there to try to simulate Lamar Jackson. Probably won't be able to do it very, very well, though. Now, who were the three key Titans to this game? Who were the guys that could give us the most trouble? I'm going to save the, the most obvious for last here. Um, Ryan Tannehill. I think would be a very important Titan to watch for. He's had a great season. Did not have a very good playoff game against the New England Patriots. Didn't need it, though. Derrick Henry, the last guy we're going to talk about, had a fantastic game. Rushed the ball, dominated on the ground, put them in position to win. If Ryan Tannehill goes off and has a three-touchdown passing game, the Titans could very well come out of this with a win. A.J. Brown is the second guy I want to watch for. The rookie at Ole Miss, I scouted him this past offseason, was impressed with him. I think I had him like two or three or four on my draft board, a wide receiver. I don't even remember. I know it was Nikhil Harry, number one. You know, spent the whole year on IR basically, except for a few games, so we can't really talk about that just yet. Um, But A.J. Brown's having a very nice year. Um, Whether or not we we see him dominate the Ravens, I don't think so, but he could. You put him in there against either Marlon Humphrey or Marcus Peters, it's going to be very difficult for him, especially with Tannehill getting pressure like I expect him to from Wake Martindale. We know how much he likes to blitz against a guy like Tannehill. He's going to do it a lot. Now, Derrick Henry really is the guy, though, that I am concerned about in this game the most. Derrick Henry could easily break 200 yards in this game if the Ravens aren't careful. They have to set the edge, pull their guys up in the middle. Now, they like to blitz a lot, as I just said. Cover zeros, cover ones, whatever. They love to do that kind of stuff. If they blitz too much and over-pursue, Henry could easily break right through, get into the second level, and go. Right? It could honestly happen if the Ravens are not careful. When they blitz, they have to be ready to go out and get Henry, watch for him, make the tackle when necessary, and try to stifle this rushing attack. If they can both blitz and hit Henry at the same time and keep him at 4, even 4.5 yards of carry, you know, as long as he doesn't erupt into 5, 6 yards of carry, the Ravens can shut down the Titans' offense, start to put points on the board of their own because the Titans' defense is really mediocre at best. Put points on the board of your own. Start to create a gap between the Titans and the Ravens and keep that gap alive. 10, 14 points, keep the gap alive all game, and the Ravens should have a victory this Saturday, heading to their first AFC Championship held at M&T Bank Stadium. So, um, my official prediction for this game, um, if I could pull it up here, I just had it. I think the Ravens will win this game 33-20. You can find my full prediction article, preview and predictions at baltimorefeather.com. Um, or you can find it on the Twitter account. It was posted there. Facebook is posted everywhere, basically. So make sure to check that out. We will see you tomorrow. Hopefully you'll be tuning into our live tweets. 8.15, I believe, is kickoff time. So we'll see if the Ravens can win. Of course, we want to see whether the Texans upset the Kansas City Chiefs first tomorrow. I'm sorry, not the Texans. That's, That's the next day. Whether or not the Minnesota Vikings can upset the San Francisco 49ers tomorrow. Highly... Highly doubt it, but we'll see what happens there. Um, Again, you can find us on the Baltimore Feather podcast page, um, Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube as well. Subscribe and follow there. Give us a rating. always helps us out. Comments um, if you want us to talk about anything in particular. Make sure you check out the Baltimore Feather. Subscribe to the email news list for the latest Ravens articles and a lot of draft stuff coming up. Into your email inbox when they come out. That's always helpful for you to stay on top of things and for us to reach you better. You can find us at Be more Feather or at Nest Talk on Twitter for the Baltimore Feather and Nest Talk Twitter pages respectively. I am my personal Twitter account is at Chris Linfont. You can find us on Facebook. Search up Baltimore Feather or Nest Talk on Facebook and make sure if you are interested in this deluxe, amazing Ravens uh, Maryland flag and Orioles Maryland flag mug, find it at BaltimoreFeather.com/shop. Orioles colors and Ravens colors. It doesn't actually have any, you know, Ravens or Orioles insignia on it. Just check it out. There it would really help out the the podcast, the website, and whatnot. We're hoping to expand our reach in 2020, and of course, this is one way to raise some funds for that. Um, and of course, I will not sell you a very bad product. I got my own, and I, I mean, I really like them. So just check them out and let us know if you're gonna if you plan to get them or if you do get them, shoot us a picture of with yourself of them with them. Ugh, I can't speak today. Shoot a picture of yourself with the mug, uh, maybe to Baltimore at Be More Feather or at Nest Talk or send us an email or something. Um, Yeah, pretty much it. So this is Chris Linfont signing off until next week. Hopefully the Ravens will be in the AFC Championship game next week. But of course, we will also be covering the East-West Shrine game and the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Again, this is Chris Linfont for Baltimore Feather and the Nest Talk Podcast signing out. Have a great weekend, everybody. We get to see a Ravens victory tomorrow, Saturday night. Have a great weekend, everybody. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.